Okay. I always feel weird. I'm like, do I do an introduction? I don't know. So I'll do an introduction today. Hi, everyone. I, I never do that. So we have Ross. <laughs> Hi, Ross. How are you today? <laughs> Great. This is it's the a, most awkward. A intro. I know. I hate. I I hate speaking in public, and this is what it is feels this your like. First time. Clearly, clearly, it is. Hello, my friends. Welcome to the Between You and Me podcast, the place where we talk to music makers about the things that hurt, heal, and change us in evangelical culture. My name is Jessica Morris. I am an Aussie music journalist, and it is my great privilege and delight every week to have conversations with people who are exploring what it means to really live and love like Jesus does. This is about creating a safe space for everyone to come together and have a conversation so we can find common ground. It's for the evangelicals and misfits, the questioners, the rebels and the rock stars. It is for the churches. If you are a minister or you feel like you're on the outer rim of the church or aren't sure what you believe anymore, you have a place here. Now, I know that is a really broad brushstroke. I get that that is hard to do, but every week we meet here in an attempt to find common ground through stories, through seeing the image of God, through seeing love in each other. Uh, And today's episode, our next in the Better Together series, really does that well. My friend Ross King reached out to me a few weeks ago and said, I'm releasing a song and I would love to chat with you about it. Now, Ross is a really well-established songwriter in Christian music circles. If you've never heard of him, you've probably heard of his music in terms of his written for people like Jimmy Needham. Last week, Ross released a song called All My Heroes Are Underdogs. And this is different for Ross because his previous songs are all great, but he is, he's talked about mental health and anxiety, something that's desperately needed in Christian music, right? But this song is different because in this song, he starts to talk about, he's, he talks about Bloody Sunday, the, the, the period of time in 1965 where a group of people marched, tried to march across the bridge in Selma and were beaten and were harmed um, because they wanted they wanted the right to vote. They wanted equal rights. They wanted Jim Crow laws to no longer exist. And over a period of three three marches, the last which included um, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., it started the movement to change it, right? And, and so what we have here in this song, All My Heroes Are Underdogs, is Ross actually going, these are the stories from from the Bible. These are the stories I've grown up learning about. These are the stories of the hero and the underdog and the villain. And then we have this story about Selma and Bloody Sunday. What does this story mean in light of these other truths? Um, And it's about him realizing that the live reality for our black brothers and sisters is very different to the live reality we have as white evangelicals. It's a song about what happens when you realize that maybe you weren't always the hero in the story or that perhaps there were parts of your history that 
impacted you and how you viewed the world. It's about realizing that maybe we're not always David. Maybe sometimes we're Goliath. Maybe we're not always Israel. Maybe we are Egypt. Maybe we are not always the good Samaritan. Maybe we are the person who walks past that person who was dying on the side of the road. What happens if we realize that we are not the the victim in the story or even the hero? What if we realize that unwillingly we have been the villain? Now, I know that is a really heavy, intense topic. This isn't a conversation or an episode that's meant to be condemning or full of shame. It's a topic that I thought it was really worth exploring because Ross is like me. He is a great image of what it means right now to be uh, in in the evangelical church in America. Um, we are both white. Uh, he's obviously American. I'm Australian, so he has more authority in, in the area of American politics and all that than I do. Um, I just host the conversation. But we, we both come from a place where we probably walk into an evangelical church in both our countries and most people will look like us. What does it mean when we realize that not everyone looks like us? What does it mean when God gave us his word, not just for us, but for others? Or that so we could meet people in the middle or that so we could see the image of God in people and bring about truth and justice and change in in such a God-oriented, love-done way when, when the world is not, is not pursuing that? What does it mean to be like Jesus when the narrative we've learned our whole lives is that by simply following these steps, we can be like him, but we miss something in the middle? That is what this conversation is about. Now, I, I know that there's some of you who are like, just get to the conversation already. I hear you. Please know what is coming. Give me just a couple of minutes. I'm literally just giving you this run-up instead of the normal bio that we do. You have met Ross before. We had an episode with him quite a while back where he talked about mental health. It's a great conversation. He's one of my favorite guests. Um, but I'm giving you this prelude to this very important interview because I, I just want to make it clear that you are welcome here. As we talk, Ross makes it really clear of his life experience. He talks about the fact that he grew up as a Southern Baptist. He talks about the fact that he's a middle-class white dude. He talks about how he's read a Republican for most of his life and how him expressing some things here puts him in a really awkward spot. And at the same time, he comes in with this incredible biblical literacy and knowledge and this huge love for the other, whoever the other is, that challenged me to see the image of God in my neighbor. So as we jump into this conversation, can I please ask you that you will hear my questions, but with the intent of hearing hearing how Ross answers them? I ask these questions uh, from the point of view of a journalist, but I also ask them from the perspective of an Australian, someone who's lived in America for a short time, but is certainly not a citizen. I ask them as a white Australian, as a middle-class white Australian, as a female. I ask them as someone who has grown up in a branch of the church that is very, very missional, learning that in Australian terms, but that, that Democrat is an evil. 
um, that there is a middle ground. And I know that it will be quite foreign to some people listening to this. So if that makes you uncomfortable, I'm asking you to have grace. I'm asking you to have grace on any terminology I use. I ask these questions not in an attempt to bring shame, but to bring together two nationalities and two cultures so that we can find the common ground and how we can be more like Christ. Um, And what I find is that Ross is exceptional at reinterpreting my questions uh, in the words of white evangelicalism, in the words of what it means to read the Bible through the lens of people who are American right now. I'm really hopeful that will open your heart up to his story then that it will open up your heart and your eyes to maybe read the Bible in a new way or just to let God in more. Um, That is my hope and my prayer for this episode. Now, for um, lots of our regular listeners, you're probably going, hey, Jessica, like we normally talk about uh, both sides of everything. We, We look at the full table. We want to look at the full spectrum of the human experience you are right. I love that. It is so important to me that we give a voice to everybody. Um, And so today what you're hearing is a conversation between two middle-class Caucasian people uh, in Western countries, right? You're hearing that and you're, you're hearing how we have grappled with what the gospel means to us, what it means to love our neighbor, especially in light of racial issues and what it means to love uh, our fellow Christian who we may disagree with, right? But if you are wanting to hear and learn from the life experience of a person of color, a person who has experienced discrimination or a a person uh, who is a black American, then please know that we have episodes available not just for that to actually hear people's stories, but we but we have a, we have episodes that are full and rich of that of those stories and of that life experience and of that art and that beauty. They're in our back catalogue, and I would love you to hear them. But in light of this topic that we're talking about today, in a couple of weeks we actually have a guest. I'm so excited. He's a Grammy-nominated songwriter called Alvin Garrett. Um, now, Alvin just released an album called The Lightness of Love. And the reason I bring him up, at, just as we're about to head into Ross's interview, is that Alvin actually – now, Alvin – has just released an album called The Lightness of Love, which is all about connection, love and togetherness. It comes after his previous album called The Awakening, where he talks about life as a black man in America. Uh, He has so much to offer um, and and more than just on this this topic as we discuss what it means to love your neighbour and we discuss what it means to work through racial divides. we would never, I would never want to pigeonhole him. But if you are looking to learn more, if you want to to engage or hear from an artist uh, who has more to offer in this area, then please hit subscribe or check back in a couple of weeks for our, our interview with Alvin. We will also, in, in the next few months, have an episode coming up with a fantastic musician called Temetope. And he works in the area of racial reconciliation all the time. He is a phenomenal musician. He is just great in evangelical ministry. Um, and I think you will really learn a lot from him too. In light of the fact that we are two middle-class white people today having a really important conversation, please know the context of that. that There are more resources around that I would love you to access. Okay, all that to say is that I know that was a really long run-up. Thank you for hanging with me, guys. But 
This is a chat with our good friend, Ross King. He is one of the most honest, compelling and courageous storytellers that you will find in Christian music. And he is a really good dude. Sit down and enjoy this very important conversation with Ross King. He gathered five smooth stones. He'd only need one. With no armor on, went up against that heathen. And he had no right getting in that fight. But surprise, surprise, hit him right between the eyes. All my favorite stories have moments when everything seems to be lost. All my heroes are underdogs. He gathered twelve unknowns, one of them a traitor. With no armor on, spoke the truth to power. And they hung him high on a hill and watched him die. But the blood. Swinging fists and clubs, but they came back strong, crying out, How long, not long, how long, not long, how long, not long, because my eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. Make me deal with the ways I've been wrong All my heroes are underdogs All my favorite stories have moments when everything seems to be lost
welcome back. Um, thank you so, so, so much for chatting with me today. Um, you have a new single, which by the time this comes out, it will be out for a week. All my heroes are underdogs. Um, and I'm so excited to chat with you about it for so many fun reasons, which we've already discussed off the record. But, uh, Ross, can you tell everyone about All My Heroes Are Underdogs, how it was created? Yeah, so it's actually, you know, some songs don't have a great story. This one, kinda, I think, kind of does. I, I actually wrote a lot of this song about five or six or seven years ago, and it was just in a season where I was really interested. And I've always liked taking Bible stories and kind of making them twisting them up a little bit to reword things and make them more interesting or, or whatever, make them more artsy. And, and so this was a time when I was bumping into these different stories in my life in the Bible where somebody was an underdog. And I just always thought about how much I, how much I liked those kinds of stories. And so I wrote this verse and chorus about David and Goliath and a verse and chorus about Jesus and the Pharisees. And then the end of it was just kind of like, and all of us feel like underdogs and thank God that he uses underdogs because we're all just misfits and whatever. Um, and so I never, and I finished it. And I remember my publisher, Mark Nicholas at the time was my publisher. And he, he said to me, this is good, but I don't feel like you really landed it, the end. And, uh, and I remember thinking, uh, he's crazy. You know, it's great, whatever. Um, and, but I, but I never, I, didn't, I never put it on any records or anything. And so time passed, whatever. And then 2020, you know, there was all this uh, racial stuff in the United States with Ahmaud Arbery and George Floyd and Breonna Taylor and on and on and on. And I have two biracial sons, teenage sons. And so I started having lots of conversations with them about race stuff. And, and let, let me just say upfront that for some reason in 2021, discussions of race are more political than they were probably in 1995. And I don't know why that is. I mean, I have my suspicions, but I don't know why exactly why it's like we advanced to a place where everyone agreed these were safe, safe conversations or everyone within reason, you know, uh, was fine with it. And now suddenly again, it's like to discuss it is super political, which is really frustrating and sad to me. But uh, I started talking to, to, to my boys very openly and inviting them, inviting them to talk to me openly. And, I came across, you know, when you start chasing down different viewpoints, actively chasing down different different view, viewpoints, just be careful because you're going to have your your ways and systems and thoughts and opinions challenged, you know. And so here I am, this lifelong, you know, uh, middle class white conservative guy, and I suddenly have two teenage sons whose whose life experience is not like that, and and I'm surrounded surrounded by a country that's in all this turmoil and conflict and, and struggle. And so I just started thinking about how, uh, wait, why am I always the hero in, in, in all my stories? You know, why am, why is it that I'm the underdog up against the, the man or whatever, you know, is that ever really true? Am I really been like that? You know? And so I started asking those questions and, 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 and I ran into some, some different, doctrinal theological theologian type stuff that that was saying we always think that we're Israel in the Exodus story we never think we're Egypt we always think we're the Jews and not Babylon we always see ourselves as the freedom fighters not the empire and man that stuff just shook me you know and so I went back 
to the song and it just came up in my mind and thought, oh, I'm going to write about this. And so the last, so there's a bridge that basically just says, all my life I've been David in the story, but maybe that's not true. And have I ever been the villain in someone's story? Has there ever been like a struggler that doesn't know what to do and I have made it harder for, for them? And so that led me to write the last verse, which is just about the Selma, the the the, the marches and uh, on the bridge across the bridge in, in Selma, nineteen sixty five, that led to the Voting Rights Act that gave uh, Black people, African Americans, the right to vote in the, in the United States. So 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 now it's really taken a turn where the first two verses and choruses are about underdogs, which you know we all feel like them, and then we and we relate, and then it kind of turns on you and says, "Wait, what if you're the Pharisees? What if you're Goliath? What if you're?" The villain in that story and so i fully anticipate that i'm going to get some pushback and i'm not i don't i don't love pushback um but it is for me it's an attempt to bring a a mostly non-political gospel view to this idea and try to speak to it kind of elevate the conversation above right and left and more about what's your personal sort of uh journey of working through the fact that you're not always the hero you know, what's your, you know, uh, have we ever dealt with that possibility? You know, so that's, that's, that's it. That's a long story. Sorry. But that's no, no, you, you carried that story so well. Um, and I love how, how you, you talk about how you, you came to like nearly the startling wait, but what if, what if I'm not David? Right. And then, right. but, but instead of shutting yourself down to that, you actually opened yourself up to learn from it. Right. Um, which is often harder than putting a wall up because it means you have to be open to whatever the answers are. Right. I, I don't I don't know what it is in me. I've got I've got plenty of of blind spots and flaws, but I don't know what it is in me, but I actually like and there's a line in the song about this. I actually like I I feel better knowing I was wrong about something and now I'm and now I'm figuring it out. You know, or I feel better knowing I only had one perspective and now I have two or three like that. That really energizes me, you know, and I think I think part of it is that I just have been wrong a lot in my life and and had to deal with being wrong and then felt the relief of, oh, good. I, you know, <laughs> I handled that poorly and now I know better or, oh, good. I only saw that from this one side and now I know more. I like that, you know, but I do know it's hard for people. And I'm trying to have grace in those in those times, um, but I just always think about how, like, you know, uh, I want to be an ally to anybody that needs one. Realistically speaking, right? Not like I don't know. There's certain folks that like you wouldn't want to be allies with, but anybody, you know, we're, people are made in the image of God, and and I, and I want to stand by them and love them. And if I only just resist and judge and roll my eyes, you know, there's a lot of that. I just I'm, I'm never gonna be that. You know, and 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 if there's a chance I can be, uh, that's biblical. It's not. It's not weird. You know, love my neighbors myself is not. It's not an odd thing, right? So I just want to find ways to hear people if I can. No armor on. They headed for Montgomery. They face those thugs, cowards swinging fists and clubs. But they came back strong, crying out, how long, not long, how long, not long. How long, not long, not long, because my eyes have seen the glory 
point that you made where you talked about the fact that for you it's in a sense this isn't this isn't a political thing about saying you should vote this way or this way because it's it's a really weird thing I find in in terms of like a particular party I find in evangelical culture it's like you're either this way or this way which means you're aligned in in this sort of action or this one a sense that with what I'm getting from your story is that you're actually nearly elevating it above that to say see the person because if we see yes. the person, then it doesn't matter who you are, what your background is, what political party you align with, how you voted at the last election. We can, if we can see the person, then we can actually love like Jesus has asked us to love and see the person that Jesus has created. Right. Well, ha- have you ever been out, like, have you ever met someone and befriended them and enjoyed them and then like way into you enjoying them? They do. They they reveal themselves to have a view, or a habit that you that you have been have been taught to dislike. Right. So I I remember in college I had this study date with this girl and she seemed so great and she was just really fun and attractive and funny and 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 smart and all that and we were having a great time and, and we went to a study date and it was at this place um, called the Kettle which was this kind of like uh, breakfast all day long kind of place. And you could smoke there. And she started smoking and I was like raised to like think smoking was awful, you know? So suddenly I'm like, well, this is terrible. I like this girl and she smokes. So what do I do? You know? And that's a dumb metaphor and it shows like kind of, kind of my shelteredness, but I, but I'm saying like, I want to go to people first with the presumption that they are made in the image of God, loved by God. And that uh, I'm supposed to be, you know, consider others better than myself. I'm supposed to be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get getting angry. I'm supposed to love my neighbor as much as I love myself. I'm supposed to take the attitude of Christ who, you know, in his very nature was God, but didn't consider equality with God something to be grasped. All those things, right? If you go at it with all those things, you just aren't able to turn off your affection for them once you realize they're a Democrat or something. You know what I mean? I mean, that's... And I just, I just want to be like, I, that's how I want to be. I, I, I want to love people and I don't do this well. I'm just saying I want to be that way. And much of my life, I was not like that. And I still struggle to be, to be like that. You identify the pivot point was like, was there a moment or was it a culmination of circumstances in your life that caused you to actually, you know, you can rephrase this if I'm wrong, but I would nearly say see your white privilege and evangelical privilege in a, in a Western country right. and, and actually acknowledge it. Like, was there a moment or a series of moments that happened to help you to see that? Yeah, I mean, there wasn't a moment, and if there was, I've forgotten it. But 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 for me, and, and let me just say there there'll be people who I will have directed to listen to this podcast who just heard you say white privilege who are going to turn off right now because we because you and i are going to agree that's a thing all right and 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 to those people i would just ask you please don't turn off because that is not as crazy as you as you you've been taught to believe it is all right and we can we can get into that later on but i would say whoever you are if you want to turn turn that off because you're out there contact me directly 
any way you can through social media and let's talk because I want to talk to you graciously and lovingly about this. All right. But, but anyway, for me, it was, I just believe with all my heart and I, I alluded to this a minute ago, but if you go, if you open yourself up to, Hey, I'd like to know more about adoption. I'd like to know m- m- more about yoga, whatever. Okay. If, if you do that, it's like you're turning on your brains, like, 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 like a radar and you will start to see that everywhere especially if it's something God wants you to know more about, you know, which is why adoption and yoga are kind of random. But I just mean like when I started saying, God, show me more about what it means to love people uh, in their kind of like ethnic diversity and life experiences and all, all that, I began to see so, so, so much more. I also did a thing where, and this is going to, this is going to be, me be really coming out here all right in in a very overt way but like for my whole life i had views of what it meant to be a black person in the united states of america and i and i they were very limited and very sheltered and very small and when i first maybe i mean i don't even want to confess because it's so recent but within the last few years realized that Black Christians in America vote Democrat by and large. That shocked me, and I had all kinds of weird reactions to it. I want to go find black Christians. I started chasing down the opinions of godly black people and saying, "I want to see how this person justifies voting for all the voting for the for the for the evil Democrats." And it just opened up my eyes to other other viewpoints. And I'm not here to to say I'm for that or I'm simply saying I opened my eyes to other things I had not seen because the fact is a large portion of people in the United States of America don't vote the way that, that I did for most of my life and love Jesus a lot and justify that decision. And that shocked me and it made me either say they're all wrong and I'm right, which is a pretty dangerous little thing to, to do. Or it made me say, maybe we're all kind of wrong and all kind of right, and I'll just go look. It's not, it's not an either or. Like they're totally right for voting that, that, that way necessarily. Just like I'm not totally right for voting the way that, that I, I had voted. But there's something to it because they're not because the, the only other option is, is to just determine that whole culture's wrong. And you want to know how racist that is to say that? I mean, good grief. Like, you know. I'm nervous that I'm just talking about this right now, but it's just, I just want to verbally process in front of you, you know, and just go for it, right? Like to, to meet you in the middle of what you've just shared, um, knowing that you will probably have friends or people listening who sure. resonate with you or maybe even verge on like the, really? Like you're really pushing it, Ross. In fairness, I feel like I should say to meet you in the middle as an Australian Christian who, who would probably identify as evangelical, in my upbringing, I was very conservative, very sheltered, just like you. Um, had the same thoughts about smoking, drinking, all homosexuality, all of that. I grew up very sheltered in that way. Um, you, you talking about your mindset and your views and political values and how you saw that and were shocked by people doing it differently when they were Christians. Um, I have had the same experience in my life, but on the opposite end of the spectrum. Because I actually, I grew up in a branch of the church that was um, 
very, very hands-on. I grew up in the Salvation Army, and that's not to say the Salvation Army have that political view, but my, my sure. family was always so mission-oriented, and it was always oriented towards... Who needs it the most? Yeah, yeah. And I went yeah. to a church where there were people there who were homeless or who had problems and who were socially awkward, and that was just normal for me growing up. Um, and mm. so that's not to say I was fully aware of the world at all. It's taken a, lots of years for me to, as I still grow in that. But I, it was natural for me when I finally started to get a political conscience because it took me a long time to go... Mm. If I vote or if I'm for this, then what are the repercussions for this people group? Yes. Um, yes. Yeah. And, and so when I started attending a more evangelical church, I go to an apostolic church now, um, and started meeting people who probably aligned more with your life experience in terms of political values, who would have been Republican if they were American, very likely. And they said, I can't understand Christians voting any other way. I was shocked because I was the Christian who voted the other way. Um, oh, and, 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 yeah, and, well, and it was good for me because it's actually caused me to actually pivot and see my Christian brother or sister who is also white and actually go, you see and feel this way. Why do you right. see this and why do I see this? And what does our brother or sister who who doesn't have the same privileges that we have and I use that word just because even in Australian society it's like we people who are white could vote first like like we could do so much all that sort of stuff um it's been a real learning curve for me to to not just learn about what it means to serve and love my brother and sister who is different from me in terms of race and that's crucial um, that is absolutely crucial, but it's been a learning curve for me to learn how do I love and accept and hear my brother or sister who looks like me, but who I disagree with. Started so strong, wanted the best in life. I made my plan, so much hope in my eyes, it went wrong Fell through the cracks, I got so lost in the wilderness of lies Gotta find my way back This is my heart cry creator do you like creating fancy slideshows for church or maybe you're a videographer a podcaster like me maybe you just love creating things and you need amazing stock music or videos to fill the needs that is where soundstripe comes in the team at soundstripe are world-class musicians who have hired world-class musicians to create stock music without all the loopholes of licensing simply subscribe and you can select what track you want and license it as many times as you want it's a great way to support artists and create world-class content we love our friends at Soundstripe. We have been partnered with them since the first episode of Between You and Me, and we are so grateful for their support. If you would like to use their content or check them out, 
go right now to soundstripe.com and use the code youmepod at checkout for 10% off. That is the code youmepod at the checkout and you will get 10% off. You're welcome. Hey, it's me again. Big surprise, I know. But you know what I love? Nearly equally as much as good music. I love a good band tea. And I love a good nostalgic band tea, which is why I'm a big fan of the Between You and Me web store. If you head there right now, you will actually find that we have throwbacks to some of the most iconic Christian musicians and plenty of ammunition for the next catch up with the friends you survived Christian college with or who also survived being a PK with. Go check out our t-shirts, our hoodies, our masks, because that's a thing in 2020, and even our phone covers or notebooks. We would love you to take home a piece of Between You and Me and remember wherever you go that you belong here, that you are a part of a family of misfits and worshippers and questioners and people who apparently like nostalgia. Go and check it out now at our website, betweenyouandmepod.com and hit the shop button. Right. And that's the thing is that, that that's what I want to be clear about. And you're doing a great job of helping, helping me bridge that is that none of this means that now I'm on the left. It just means I, I couldn't sit completely comfortably only on the right. Okay. It doesn't mean I'm on the left. I'm actually, and people don't believe the middle people. I say this all the time. Nobody believes in the middle. They think it's fake. If you're in the middle and someone hears you, whatever side they're on, they think you're a spy for the other side. That's just how it works because we're so suspicious. But I truly am most people who if you, if you made a list of the political beliefs and political hot buttons, you would find me on different sides, right and left, depending on which of those hot buttons that was brought up. Because I start with what do I really think God thinks of this? What do I really think the Bible says? What do I really think makes for the best possible world? What do I really think – you know, is, is, is best for souls. Okay. And so I have some very conservative views that would really offend my liberal friends and some pretty liberal looking views that I know would, would offend my conservative friends, because I think we're being sold a lie on both sides. And I think both sides are just doing their own earthly kingdom way of doing this and they're not fixing it. Right. So I'm going to go to the, I'm going to go to the scriptures. I'm going to go as much as I can to what I think is God's view. And that's going to put me in a weird spot. And I, I just, it's not comfortable, but I'm not like some martyr. I'm just saying it's not easy. And that's why no one does it because it's not easy. We'd rather do the easy. And this is the real work of chasing down the kingdom. And I'm, again, I'm not bragging. I, 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 well, I don't want to do it. It's not fun, but it just, I can't shake it. Right. And, and so what I'm, you know, uh, passionate about is finding the truth wherever it leads me and loving people through their unwillingness and, un, and inability ability to do that with me, right? And loving people that I have that I previously didn't see because I didn't look, I didn't look, you know. And so there's a bunch there. So yes, you're right. I so I'll have liberal friends who who think I'm with them now, and they'll get all mad at me for sort of being too patient with my conservative friend who gets mad at me or something. And I'm like, hold on, I, that that person is who I was just recently. And the only reason I'm where I'm now is because I someone was kind enough to me. So I'm not going to like dismiss them. Like every enemy is a potential ally. That's just that's the gospel for goodness sakes, right? So, so yes, of course I'm not like I want to be super clear that I this didn't send me over to like some far left p position at all, at all. And you know, uh, I I'm I'm going to disappoint anyone who's looking for me to be to be that. But it did take me out of my spot of comfort sort of like 
um, I, w- I am permanently here in this one spot forever for the rest of my life on the right. It just doesn't work. It doesn't work. And, you know, that <laughs> it, it's, it's, it's a point of contention with my, with a lot of my loved ones. So. There are two things I want to ask you. Yeah. Yeah. The f- I, I want to ask how this affects your career, but the first thing I'm going to ask uh, is I have heard my, my sister is a social worker uh, and spent some time with um, Australia's First Nations people in some of her work. And she she has taught me about this phrase called white guilt, which we can rename just to be like that. Like when you have a, a sense of shame or guilt about the stuff like that your ancestors did, or culturally that happened. So for me, it would be like the fact that uh, my ancestors came to Australia in a boat and killed people because of their skin colour. Like that's not my fault, mm-hmm. but it's part of my history. Um, mm-hmm. And and she's, as I talked with her and even I visited the north of Australia and felt that weight, she, she expressed to me what it actually means to actually one experience that and it's really normal to feel that heaviness but also why we don't have to stay in that heaviness why we shouldn't stay in that heaviness and so what I wanted to ask you was how do you go from a place of shame in any capacity for your past for uh, even ignorance or for the shame of ancestors or family like anything in your history as a as a Caucasian man how do you move yourself from the shame and the humility of going, this is what I see, this is what I know I can correlate with even if I didn't intentionally do it? How do you move from that to going, how do I now enact love to my neighbour who was harmed or is still harmed by that right. history? Yeah, and so uh, let me just – I'm going to use the Bible for a second because my really, really conservative friends, again, if they haven't quit at this point – uh, I'm 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 going to use the Bible to talk to you about this because I because I think that it because because it's it, it's it, there it, there is Bible for this okay so <sighs> Acts two the Spirit lands on the the apostles on, on Jesus disciples Jesus has just left and the, and, and the Spirit comes Peter gives a speech it's a history lesson about what what has been happening for for a while and it ends with a speech about the death of Jesus. And he says to a group of people who are from all over the world, many of whom just got to town, he says, you killed Jesus. Now they didn't kill Jesus, those people. So you know what they said? They said, Peter, hold on. We didn't kill Jesus. No, no, they didn't say that. You know know, know what they said? They said, what must we do? So you have at least one Preston. I'm gonna give you a second one for someone saying repent because jesus peter's answer was you've got to repent all right so we have a precedent for i would like you to think about repenting for your part in something that you had no part in or your connection to something you had no part in your your cultural so that's one second we have we have stephen the first martyr for the faith he shows up in front of the pharisees because he's in trouble for talking about jesus too much and he gives this long speech and it's a history lesson Sound familiar? Except he goes way farther back into the church, I mean, to, in, into the, the 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 early fathers and the prophets, and he gives this whole speech about you guys always treated these prophets so awful. You did this. You were so bad to these people. You. This is that. This is a thousand years ago. 
he's that he's talking to them about the, the stuff he's, he's talking about hundreds of years prior. You guys treated the prophets so bad. And he ends it with and then you killed Jesus. Right. And they actually these guys did kill Jesus. So there's some of that. But what do they do? They tear their clothes, go crazy and kill him. And that's what is the more likely response when we talk about race in America is that the Pentecost response is the one I want and the one that I'm trying to pursue. And the Pharisaical response to Stephen is the one I'm seeing. But in both cases, you have a godly person and a direct disciple of the Lord Jesus rightly saying, here's your part in the sin that we're dealing with now, in the historical sin. So I I, I, I want to say that to, to say I don't feel shame that my ancestors enslaved pe- pe- people and I and I don't and I don't even like guilt as a as a word that we use. I'm not even sure what the right word is, but I do have a connection to it. And in the same way that my God is eternal, and this is great news, just so you know, this is great news. I can repent for my connection, for my ancestors, for my I can repent. This is this is good biblical godly stuff. I can say, Lord, this has been hanging over us because Scripture says, "Since the fathers passed down third and fourth gen- to the third and fourth gen- generation." So, so, and we can talk about the theology of that. I'm not a theologian, but it just is what Scripture says. And I can repent and actually get more grace that is kind of retroactively powerful to free me up from any connection that I have. To. That's good news. That's not. But here's the funny part: it's not bad news. We want to make it some kind of, oh, I'm awful because you want to make me feel bad because something I didn't do. No, quit looking at it glass half empty. Realize the full part. You can repent for things you weren't even a part of and free yourself from anything that's still tying you up to, to that. That's wonderful. That's great news, right? And, and so if you and I met and, and you said to me, Ross, you didn't know this, but years ago, your dad you know, did this mean thing to my dad. Well, if we're friends, I'm not going to say, well, pff, sorry, and nothing to do with me. I'd say, I'm so sorry that my dad did that. I wasn't around for that and uh, whatever. You know, again, I know this is a dumb example, but the point is I, I want to be able to go to you and say, I'm so sorry that this happened. And any part of it that I can sort of like speak over you to say, I repent of that and, and you know, whatever. That, that's, good. that's good for us. That's good. There's nothing wrong with that. That's wonderful. And I don't know why we're so resistant. I have theories, and it's tied to the fact that I think evangelicals love, 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 love the feeling of not having, of not being guilty. It's why all of our praise songs are "Thank you for forgiving me." You know, so many of our praise songs are about that. We love the idea, you know, and it's you could say it goes back to revivalism and Second Great Awakening, and you know, uh, hey, ask Jesus into your heart, no matter what anyone else does. No one's looking; all eyes are closed, all heads are bowed. What are you going to do all about your sin? And is Jesus going to come into your little heart and save you? And then you can go to whatever church you want to go to. And then if the pastor is not good, you can vote him out. You know, we've been taught so many things about personal, 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 you know, nothing wrong with that. But it slowly has taught us that we, 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 we are never to be corporately tied to things that are bad, you know. Go ahead and tie me to something good. You know, if it's if it's Fourth of Ju- Fourth, it's Fourth, Fourth of July in America, tie me to that victory that that we can that, that that we got over those bad Brits. But if it's something if it's something bad, uh, that ain't got nothing nothing to do nothing to do with me. You know, so I just think it's it's just generally speaking, it's 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 a good and right thing that God gives us a chance to repent of things that happened in the past. 
There's, that's wonderful. Why? How could that be bad, right? I don't know if I answered your question, by the way. I think I did. You answered it so well. And thank you for, um, I say this in a, in a great, in a really honestly thankful way. Thank you for rephrasing it um, as well, because I know that when I ask that question, it comes from my background and my mindset. And by you answering it like that, you actually met it with yours and gave it context yeah. that was necessary. Yeah, and so you, I appreciate and, that. And you guys don't have near as many triggers or this you don't have the same triggers as we have right now. We got a bunch of triggers over here, you know. evangelical artists in the world and you hear stories you're connected with people what is the risk releasing this or even talking about this to your career well if anybody most of the time people don't even notice us right Who, whoever we are whoever we think we are you know so so who knows I, I i won't lie i have laid awake at night a few times and thought ross shut your mouth what are you talking about and a part of it's just that, you know, about a year ago, I did a Kickstarter and a crowdfunding thing. And I'm, and I raised, I don't mind saying I raised $26,000, which felt like an insane amount of money. And one night I was, I was thinking about that and just so grateful for it. And I, and, and I thought, am I, I know that's not like a huge thing, but it's a pretty big privilege to people to give me all that money to make a record. Am I using my voice responsibly? Am I just, you know, because I was talking, was singing a lot at the time about depression, anxiety, which felt very important and does feel feel very important and kind of like a a less spoken about thing. And you and I talked about that, you know, the, the last time we talked. But then I just started saying, "Is there anything else, Lord, that you want me to step into?" And it just this stuff kind of started 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 popping up, and I realized that there were that there probably were people out there that might listen to me in this area because I've gained trust with them that wouldn't listen to to someone else. Um, and so I'm really careful um, to say, like you said a minute ago, thanks for translating or rephrasing. I'm really careful to do that, but not because I think you're saying it wrong, but because I know that my crowd has triggers and I just want them to know like, Hey, I'm using the Bible here because I want you to know this. That's where this comes from for me. I might be reading it wrong. I, I, I don't know, but I'm finding this stuff. I'm not finding my beliefs on just like, you know, evil liberal media news sites. I'm looking for the Lord's heart. And, and again, I could be reading that wrong, but I am trying to find the kingdom of Jesus in, in this stuff. And I'm not the first person to, to, to do this. There's a lot of Jesus loving, brilliant people 
lot better at this than I am who are saying things like this. Um, and, uh, but you know, there is a risk and I look, I'm nearly 50 and I'm, I'm not super popular and I probably can't afford to lose a single fan. And I think about that and I think about my children and my wife and all that, but I don't know what to do except, um, you know, Jeremiah again, who I'm not like, but, but says, uh, but if I say, I will speak no more in his name. His word is in my heart, shut up like a fire in my bones. I am weary of holding it in. Indeed, I cannot. And that is not me martyring myself and saying, I'm like Jeremiah talking about race. It's not, I'm just telling you, this is what feels important to me. And the dignity of people whom God has made uh, knit together in, 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 in their mother's wombs matters. And I am not going to approach my adversaries. I'm using air quotes that, that people can't see, but I'm going to approach my adversaries with dismissiveness and hatred and an enemy mindset because Jesus said, you've heard it said, you know, love your neighbor, hate your enemy, whatever. And someone said, well, who's your, he said, love your neighbor. And someone says, well, who's my neighbor? And he tells a story of essentially a guy in the Al Qaeda, you know, a, a, a Taliban member and says, there's a Taliban member who, you know, <laughs> you know helped this guy out. You know, when, 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 all the, when all the preachers and, and deacons blew this dude off, this evil person came and helped him. And that's your neighbor, you know. And I just, you know, I, 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 I'm looking for that truth. And it's awkward and it's nerve wracking and scary and all that. But I don't know how else to do it, you know. I mean, Makes does sense. that make sense? Yes. No, it does. Um, I... I am grateful that you were choosing to do that. I can't I can't imagine the anxiety or the weight that you feel with that, but I I respect it and I'm grateful for it because in in my in, in what I know of who God is, who what the word says about who God is, he's asked us to do that, to move to the uncomfortable mm. places, to love other people and to share his word and his kingdom with the world. And that's what you're doing. You're putting yourself mm. out there in the best way you know how. I'm trying, and and I, and I want to be so clear that I know I'm making mistakes. I know I'm getting some stuff wrong, um, but I just don't know. I, I think part of it for me is I see so many people mad at each other and unable to hear each other that I'm trying to find a find a place to find a way to to build bridges. I know that sounds really corny, but I do want to build those bridges. You that. Know? I've literally. Sorry, keep going. Don't let me cut no, you. Off. No, go ahead. That that that's it. I just want to build bridges, and I don't. I'm trying. Yeah. You know. Um, and I just got excited then because literally that I have a mini series at the moment called Better Together, um, with the podcast, and it's literally about having conversations like this, but also it's about couples and bands and families and churches who are trying to work together to embrace difference, to love. Yeah. Um, which is why I was so excited when you approached me about this because I was like, it's perfect topic for this. Um, Great. Because I, I think when I was creating this podcast, the whole idea was like, uh, like let's build a table, let's have everyone come around it, no matter who they are or what they believe or how they talk about God. Like you just have a seat here. If you come with love, you are welcome. Um, right. And so as you're talking about building bridges and as you are giving language for that. I am going. Okay, this is how we. This is how we create space for people to know that you right. can come here. You, 
then there's actually space for us to build and the kingdom of God to actually flourish. Right. And, and, and the thing is, I say this all the time on social media when people engage me in maybe a conflict, a, a conflict way. I, I will, you can find this 50 times on my social media posts over the last year. Me saying something like, hey, seems like you're really angry. If you're interested in a civil dialogue where we speak graciously and believe the best about each other, I am interested. But if you're going to insult me, I want you to move along, you know, and then sometimes it'll get, it'll get nasty. And I'll say something like, you know, I've been a lot nicer to you than you've been to me. And you keep saying that you're, that you're a Christian. And I just want you to think about that. And listen, I will have so many people that will delete their comments after that, you know, which is a, which to me feels like a victory. You know, it's like, Hey, you just want to get rid of this. You just, and isn't that wonderful that, in, that, in, that, that there's the grace of the internet that you can delete your com- comment, you know? Um, and I just, I just want to say to people, look, I, it's not that, not that I don't believe in truth. There is truth and I believe in it and the Lord knows it and he's deadly serious about it, you know, and some of us are just wrong, including me. But in the meantime, if I come at you with kindness and an attempt to know the Bible and an attempt to hear the word of the Lord on this, I, I really need you to be kind back to me. And if you're not going to be, then I don't know, really want to do this, you know, and I don't have to do this. I'm the creator of my own little kingdom on the on the Facebook or whatever, you know. But, but I've had legit conversations with people who come really angry, some, sometimes Christians, sometimes not. And, and I'm telling you that if, that if you go back to them with kindness and grace and – again, I'm not, like, I'm, not, I'm not advocating some like hippie, cheesy, nobody has any, 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 any real opinions. That's not that. I'm an opinionated guy. And, and like I say all the time, God has opinions, and he's right. And he can have opinions that sound wacky to us. He doesn't have to agree with us. He can, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's the thing nobody wants to talk about is that as we all get all progressive and smart, we think God agrees with us. And he just, he just doesn't necessarily. It's just that I want people to try to get to a place of commonality, you know, uh, James three, but you know, after talking about how bad the tongue is and how scary and how dangerous it is, he says, but the wisdom from heaven is first of all, pure, listen to this list, pure, peace, loving, considerate submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. That's wisdom, according to James. None of that said smart. It said peace-loving, considerate, submissive for goodness sakes, right? That's what the Lord calls wisdom. And so I want to approach these conversations with that kind of wisdom. And I don't always do it right. I blow it all the time. But that's that's my grid at least ideally. And if people aren't, 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 aren't interested in that, take a hike. I don't care. You know, <laughs> I mean, I do care, <laughs> but I'm working really hard. I don't have energy, you know, to like do that. If you give a little more than you take And if you try to fix more than you break If you're the kind who takes the time to help a stranger in the rain There's a place for people like you If you stand up for those down on their knees 
and lend a voice to those who cannot speak. If you shine a little light, give sight to the ones who've lost their way. There's a place for people like you. When I'm always thinking about conversations and creating conversations about things that people disagree with, which is everything, or, or differences, I always think back to Christ's prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane, where where He prays that that we will be known by our love, that we'll be united by our love, and, and not just like our love for yeah. others, like like people outside the church walls, but like our love for our other Christ, fellow Christian. Um, and uh, that's what these conversations always drive home to me. Well, yeah, and think about what he says there. He, he says, I pray that they are one as we are one. Do you know what the we is there? Father, Son, Spirit. That's pretty one. That's pretty unified. And he's asking that we, and he's talking about his, his followers, would be as one, as unified as that. And then he says, that's how they'll know that you sent me. I mean, gee whiz, that's. We got to get together on stuff. We got to find a common ground if there is one. And so I'm looking for that. And it does mean that you will occasionally not find an easy home in earthly political kingdoms. And I do mean earthly. You won't find an easy home there. Uh, good. You you shouldn't. Jesus didn't make those homes. We did. We did. Oh, I like that. Mm-hmm. The evangelical mm-hmm. me wants to get up and start shaking my Bible and saying amen. Thank you. That was so good. <laughs> Love it. Is that your quotable? Is that, is that what's going to like run on the little? Possibly. Little now that you've said that, I'll go uh, back and double check. We'll find out. I, 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 need, I need to think ahead and try to make sure I say spirit. <laughs> it's like I pre-plan these quotes. Where can I slide them in? <laughs> I, uh, I've had these, um, you know, every time I do one of these, someone do that. And occasionally I'll be like, no, I said something way smarter than that. They're, they're, they're quoting that dumb thing. <laughs> and literally the person is going through it being like, that sounds good. We'll just go with that. that. Sounds, yeah, he's, <laughs> I gotta get my coffee. I, I'm tired. That, that's a good one. So true. Yeah, it's always like that happened. The, that was the first thing that I, that I said. Weird. It's like wait, they, they got in really early to the podcast. I'm like, really? I'll just take that. <laughs> uh, thank you so much, Ross. I yeah. I didn't even like jump on like a lot of these questions, but you answered so much. And thank you for giving, sharing your heart and your honesty yeah. with me. Um, is there anything else that you would like to discuss or mention? Uh, you know, just that I'm not trying to now be like political guy who writes political songs. That's where this conversation went. Cause I'm currently, that's what drove me to write this song. Um, but really what I'm look, the continued thing for me is to write in the spaces where the things that I, you know, if, if I hear a really wonderful song about a topic, I may not want to write a, a, another song about, about that topic. Part of the thing is that, and we talked about this the last time we talked is I wrote about anxiety and depression a good bit because I wasn't hearing that in Christian music as much, you know? And now what I'm writing about is more like stuff like this a little bit because I just don't hear it being talked about. It's either being talked about by the far left or it's, or it's, you know, or it's, or it's being ignored or whatever. And I, and I I wanted to find a, a, a healthy, godly middle to talk about it graciously and so I just ask people to consider, um, look, the, the, if God agrees with you about everything, you probably don't, you're probably not really believing in God, right? If, if, if every single opinion that you have in your mind is shared by the Lord, you probably aren't 
worshiping the real Jesus. And that includes me. Like I'm, I'm saying, like, I am constantly saying, God, where am I getting it wrong? And this area, this idea of re reevaluating my place in stories. Um, and again, not because I want to find guilt or because I want to walk around with my head hung low or any of that. This isn't about shame. This is about, this is about, about repentance and self-evaluation you know again i know i don't quote a lot of bible like i'm a preacher but you know but the bible's full of these things where it says hey search me god you know psalm 139 search me god and know my heart the implication being i don't know my heart test me and know my thoughts the implication being i need you to test my thoughts see lord you see if there's anything in me that's wicked because i can't see it why, why why pray that unless he can't see it and lead me in the everlasting way right so it, I, that and that's not just there. There's lots of places where where the scriptures are clearly saying you got to get God in there to act, to to dig around, and it ain't going to be pretty or easy. But but on the other side of it is something really really wonderful where you dug out this cancer that was stuck in some hidden place in your in your soul, and the Lord got in there and you know and did surgery on it, and now you're less poisoned than you were, you know. And I just I. Just, <laughs> And I just want that, you know, I just, I'm, and, and listen, like I got said earlier, I'm nearly 50 years old and I've got a lot of stories where I said something stupid or treated someone terribly or acted really selfishly or even released songs that said foolish things or whatever. And I, I just, I want to continue to get better at this. And the only way to do that is to say, Lord, search me, know me, test me, let me know where I've, where I'm missing it. And that's going to necessarily demand, unless you're perfect, it's going to necessarily demand some work, some repentance, some correction, some discipline, some accountability, you know, and maybe for a brief period of time, some shame as you work through it and then get released from it. It's not like shame that doesn't end. It's shame to lead you to, to greater godliness, to, to a more rightly focused life on Jesus, you know, that's it. That's, and I just want that. And I know you want it. Everybody, everybody who's following Jesus, want, we all want that. So there's nothing crazy or liberal or nutty about it. It's just trying to find the Lord wherever he leads, you know?
thank you, Ross. I said it so many times in that conversation, but thank you for coming with your heart wide open, uh, with no holds barred, uh, risking an awful lot by by sharing our our journey, how we dismantle things or how we question things. We risk losing an awful lot in the evangelical church. Uh, he risks his career. He risks many relationships. Uh, I don't think that's his intent. I think his intent is to love well and to love God well and to love society well. And I so respect that. But there is a lot at stake at the moment. 2021 is is really politicized. And uh, wherever you find yourself on that, there is a lot at stake. So um, thank you, Ross. And I, I, I again would just ask you, please hear my heart. Please hear Ross's heart. Hear his heart for love and reconciliation and to seek Jesus. Um, you can connect with Ross now at Ross King Music. And his latest single, All My Heroes Are Underdogs, is available now. You heard it in this episode. And I would love you to pick that up. As an independent artist, every stream counts. Um, and I'm so excited for Ross's album that's coming out later this year, which I also backed. So keep an eye out for that, my friends. So how are we feeling after that episode? I know I was left feeling somewhat overwhelmed. Like, like you know, when a topic is so, so important and so heavy because you know there is so much attached to this that that you just, your body just senses it. I, I feel that. And that's not a bad thing because I know that, um, that there are people who have been experiencing more than that than me for many, 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 many years. Um, and if something I can do as, as me, as, as a middle-class white Australian female is come to have a conversation about what if the world doesn't quite revolve around me as much as I thought it does, even though I'm trying really hard to make sure it doesn't, then I think that I can do that hard work. Uh, it's hard hard work, but I can I can try it and I can do it and I'm on a constant journey to learn it. Uh, any any of you you who have listened to all these episodes know that I'm constantly a work in motion, a, a work in progress. I never get everything right. Um, but that's the beauty of grace and I am grateful for people with grace. Um, so if you identify with that or if you just found today really compelling, um, please let me know. Please let us know. You can find us at Between You Me Pod or online at betweenyouandmepod.com. Um, we post regularly and you can send a DM or a comment. Let us know what you thought. Um, if you would like to have a meaningful, kind conversation where we share thoughts and opinions, I'm totally up for that. Um, stuff that's full of, when I say like negativity, like arguments, I don't really want to have an argument with you. Only because if you go in for an argument, then neither one of us wants to be like, neither one of us wants to learn from the other. And I'm all about learning. I'm happy to learn from you. Um, I think it's just about the posture in which we enter with that. And don't we all know that social media has become a battleground uh, for arguments in the last five, six years. So, uh, yeah, please reach out if you would love to have a conversation or if you have thoughts or opinions about this week's episode. Next week, uh, on a bit of a different note, we are continuing our Better Together series, but we're actually talking to a phenomenal couple. Austin and Lindsay Adamek are 
worshippers. They're both musicians in their own right. And they started up their own essentially like worship expression mini church ministry in Jacksonville, Florida. Um, I connected with them to hear about their latest worship project and uh, met this super cool couple. You know, when you meet people and you're like, oh, like how does someone get so cool? These, these are two people who are both great musicians, uh, but they also like they have a motorbike shop and they dress like in leather and like Harley Davidson gear. And they're just so cool. They're really nice, but you know, anyway, You'll get it from the interview. Um, The great thing about Austin and Lindsay is that they are entirely approachable. And so when it comes to being better together, we're able to talk about what it means to actually prioritize your marriage relationship over an individual music career and why they actually chose to leave the individual careers behind in Nashville to come to Florida um, to actually, one, prioritize their marriage, like I said, but actually cultivate community. Um, they have literally chosen others over themselves, over their own success. And that makes them really, really compelling, really phenomenal. And they are great musicians. So I can't wait for you to hear that. My friends, thank you for doing the hard work, the heart work um, with us. Thank you. It is always a privilege to do life with you, to go into the heart topics with you, um, to talk about the things that do hurt, heal, and change us. Because when we do that through story, we can actually begin to heal. I believe that's where we find God. That's where we experience God. And that's where we see the image of God in each other, even when we disagree. Um, I, I, I hope and pray that was your experience today. I will see you next week. My name is Jessica Morris. Here's to hope. He gathered five smooth stones. He'd only need one. With no armor on, went up against that heathen. And he had no right getting in that fight. But surprise, surprise, hit him right between the eyes. All my favorite stories have moments when everything seems to be lost. All my heroes are underdogs He gathered twelve unknowns One of them a traitor With no armor on Spoke the truth to power And they hung him high On a hill and watched him die But the blood i
Swinging fists and cups, but they came back strong, crying out, How long, not long, how long, not long, how long, not long, because my eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. Make me deal with the ways I've been wrong. All my heroes are under. 